Do I put it all into what I believe God's calling me to do? This other one, uh, this other one was um, uh, uh, saying this. He said uh, he's become a church pastor, and uh, I was saying to him, you know, what's that cost you? And he said, well, he, he said absolutely everything. I sold my house so I could pay to be trained, because they wouldn't accept me because I didn't have any education for training. So I paid for myself to be trained. So my wife and I don't have a house anymore. But now, he says, we're doing what we believe God's called us to do, and we're leading a church. I said, tell me about your church. And he told me a bit about his church. This was on a Thursday. And he told me a bit about his church. And, and this bloke equally, so I saw one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. This bloke on Thursday just lit up. He lit up, and he was so excited about it. And he said this, he said, we're about 30 people at the moment, but I believe God's got more in store for us. And he couldn't have been more excited about it. He's sold everything and thrown it all into this, and he said, this is what I believe God's called me to do. What's holding us back? from embracing what God might have for us. Forgive me if you've seen this clip. I showed it a couple of weeks ago in the morning. But um, if we can put the lights down and show this clip, it lasts five minutes, but I think it speaks for itself. Thanks, Alex. Let me just say to all of you on Facebook right now, to everybody who has a complaint on the tip of your tongue, I want you just to shut your mouth and watch this tape because Pastor Rick had one request for tonight's show to include a man who he says is one of the best examples of winning the hand you're dealt. This is going to shut your mouth. It's going to shut your mouth. Just close it right now. <laughs> Take a look at this. Born in Australia without arms or legs, 30-year-old Nick Vujicic has become a symbol of triumph against all odds. His inspiring YouTube videos have been watched over 100 million times. It's a lie to think that you're not good enough. It's a lie to think that you're not worth anything. But the road to self-acceptance was excruciating for Nick. For years, he was harassed and tormented at school. When he was 10, Nick attempted suicide. After years of feeling worthless and alone, Nick's awakening came while reading an article about a disabled man who refused to let physical limitations hold him back. In that moment, Nick says he discovered the power to take control of his life, and he has. Today, Nick surfs, he snorkels, he golfs, and plays soccer. He's traveled to 44 countries with his message of hope. Even the worst part of your life can come together for the good. And less than a year ago, Nick married the love of his life and danced at their wedding. Nick's in our audience tonight. Say hello to Nick. We're standing up for Nick. Now, this is what's so unbelievable. As you've heard, people complain about the spots on their face and people complain about not having a boyfriend and not being able to have the mates of their life. What happened to you that you were able to take all of you, take your chemistry, being born with no arms and no legs, take your connections, your relationships, your life circumstances, your state of consciousness, and then choose 
make the conscious choice that you were going to take all of that which the rest of the world looks at, you know, undeniably as a pretty bad hand and that you were going to turn it into something, you were going to be exalted by it. What, what happened to you that you were able to do that? Oprah, I know that you love to think out of the box and have things outside of the box in your yes. show. Yeah. And I know that you love illustrations. So if I may illustrate in about 180 seconds, can I do something a little crazy, but it'll sure. be powerful. Go Is that right cool? Ahead. You got a camera behind me, right? Yeah. I'm going to show you. Come, come, come. This step right here. Is there enough light here? Okay. The chemistry. I was born without arms and legs. The chemistry I could not change in my life. I know that God didn't give me this pain, but what the enemy tried to use for bad, he turned into good. Man, the connections. I want to tell uh, Porsche, uh, look, I'm a guy, I love cars, okay? And I love Porsches more than Ferraris. Okay, and, and I want everyone to know that, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. And until you can actually understand that we are all wonderfully and fearfully made from God, um, I want you to know that, that you will always be trapped and chained and you will be stopped. But when you have the incredible power of faith in action, nothing holds you back. And you're beautiful just the way that you are. No worries. For me, I felt the connection. Yeah. For me in my life, I'm thinking, man, I'm not gonna get married. I can't, you know, can't even hold my wife's hand. What connection am I gonna have? But you know what? All things come together for the good for those who love him. Man, this is a little bit high. I'm gonna break my arm, man. This is pretty crazy. All right. I'm gonna break my arm. I'm gonna break my arm. Circumstances. Being born without arms and legs, man, it's all about choice. What you asked me what it was. I had parents who were my heroes. They always said, you, you can either be angry for what you don't have or be thankful for what you do have. Do your best and God will do the rest. Then consciousness. Because I gave my life to Lord Jesus Christ and the renewing of my mind, I knew that I could be unstoppable. Okay, he found his dream, he found his dream by trusting in God Almighty and choosing in faith to follow what God was calling him to do. I mean, talk about starting with a disadvantage. But he's embraced all that life has and is a living, breathing example of faith. And he, in a sense, was saying nothing was going to hold him back. Well, that's all very well for Nick, and, 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 and he is an amazing witness to us all. But, but what about our lives? What holds you back? What holds you back from being the person that God is calling you to be? What holds you back from finding the dream that God has for your life? What holds you back from, from discovering that life in all its fullness? I mean, I, th I, th I think the wonderful thing about Nick is, uh, I mean, there are loads of clips of him on YouTube and you can watch it all, but, but he, in a sense, describes the fact that he's got all of life now.
He's found it. It's like Paul. He says, I'm content in my circumstances. I've discovered what it means to live life full of faith. Four little things I want to bring to us uh, this evening. And the first is this. I, I don't know if you remember uh, the passage in Romans 12. And it, 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 it begins this way. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. You know, the first thing in life, if you really want to embrace all that God has for you, is to say, I'm going to give it all to God then. I'm going to lay it all before God. I'm going to choose to give my life into the Lord's hands. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. This is what the Bible promises. It promises if you offer yourself as a living sacrifice, if you wholly commit to the kingdom of God, if you make Jesus your number one priority, then you will know God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. You will discover a richness that you can't discover anywhere else in life. You will discover something far deeper than you could discover anything anywhere else in your life. And that's by not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world, but allowing our minds to be transformed, to think God's way, to discover his dream for our lives. I don't know if you've ever asked a young person what they want to do in life. Uh, lots of them would say, I want to be rich. You know, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, maybe, maybe... But actually, our dream should be to let me emulate who God is. Many people miss God's dream for their life because they're not sacrificing their lives, but rather choosing to put their lives first. They say, let me achieve my dream, then I'll give myself to God. Let, let me achieve my dream, then I'll give myself to God. I was listening to a conversation like that today. Let me achieve what I want to do, and then I'll do something for God. Oh my word, that's so wrong. Let, let's just start at the beginning. If we really want to achieve what we really will know will bring us contentment in life, let's put God first. Let's make him the number one in our lives. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. <laughs> everything that stops us. What stops us? My conversation on Wednesday. What was sort of stopping? I need to have an insurance policy in this country just in case. I'm not sure. So, uh, I think that probably won't happen in that young man's life. What is the sin that, that entangles us, that, that holds us back? What is it that holds you back from sacrificing your life, from saying, I'll give it all to God? Because if we would just let that go and we step into things that God has for us, oh my word, you'll find everything that you've been looking for. 
And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, it says, Hebrews 12, who for the joy set before him endured the shame of the cross, scorning its shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, Mark Tate, I, I think when I wasn't here, told this story of a young single mother in India that we met uh, when we were out there on a trip recently. I had the privilege of sitting down and interviewing her. And um, she was just telling her story. Uh, at the end of the story, you know, it's like I felt quite embarrassed at the end of the story because I'm crying and she's just smiling. And I'm thinking, she's got everything. I feel as though I had everything, but she's got everything. And this was her story. It's a very simple story. She's come to faith in Christ. And in coming to faith in Christ, um, she's been rejected by her village. And so they have, uh, they, they banned her from getting water from the well. And so now she has to walk a couple of miles to the village up the road to get water from another well and then carry that water back to her village. And while she was on one of those trips, they came into her house, this single mother, and they stole, stole all her pots and pans. So the whole village is rejecting her. And I said to her, I said, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? And she looked at me as though, what a stupid question. I mean, I couldn't understand exactly that she was thinking that because it wasn't Hindi, but the, certainly the look in her eyes was one of pity on me. What a stupid question. What do you mean, what am I going to do? I, I'm going to stay in my village. Isn't that what Jesus would do? How else will they know about him and the fulfillment he offers? And I was thinking, yes, what a stupid question that was. Of course that's what you would do. But everything in me, I bet, I bet, maybe in some of you, I'm sure not, because you're far earlier than I am, would think, we'll just move to another village. But she's, no, no, I'll stay here. Well, we, we just, uh, that cut me to the heart. I was thinking, my goodness me. And I said to Pastor Joe, right out there, I said, mate, how can we get some water to this woman? You can't allow this to happen. And he worked it out, and he said, well, it would, it's quite a lot to put a water pump in. I said, well, what would it cost to put a water pump in? And he worked it all out and he said, be about f the equivalent, he said, the equivalent would be about 40 pounds. So I'm thinking, I've got that in my back pocket. I said, what about buying all the pots and pans again? He said, well, that would be about another 10 pounds. So I just got the money out and I gave it to Joseph. And I said, don't let her know it's us, but just get someone to drill a water well in her house, you know, her little hut. So she's got water and she's got pots and pans again and she can look after her children. She has everything. Every, she says, I've found everything in Christ. It's worth sacrificing everything for. This faith that I have in Christ. First thing we've got to do if we want to find our own dream in life is to sacrifice our lives to our Heavenly Father. The second thing we have to do is we have to stop and be still with God. We've got to stop and listen to God. The story of the Bible is a story of God's pursuit of us. It's the story of God coming after us. It's a love story. God loves you with an incredible depth of love. He pursues you. He so wants relationship with you and me. 
And we miss it because so often we're so busy doing our own things. We, we have our to-do lists. You have your to-do lists? I have my to-do lists and I write my to-do lists on my page. And, and then, and then I, as I write my to-do list, sometimes my wife adds to my to-do list. And I think, oh, God, I've only got time to do my to-do list. And then she adds to my to-do list. Then I come into the office and my PA adds to my to-do list. And I'm thinking, I've got to get rid of some of this to-do list. Because I then don't have time. We haven't got time to stop. Psalm 46 says this, be still, be still and know that I'm God. Get rid of some of the to-dos and just stop. Stop and be still. Stop and, 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 and focus on who God is. It was Pascal that said this, most of man's problems, men and women, mankind's problems, come from their inability to sit still. Sit still and ponder the richness and depth of God, of what he's done for you and given to you. So often we get so busy doing stuff that we don't have time to stop and be still. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want for my family? What do you want for my friends? What do you have for my life? Talk to God in prayer. Open your Bible. Ask him for his good, pleasing and perfect will. And as you do that, what you will discover is your passion. That was a great testimony tonight by Josh. That was a great, I feel God's using me in football because that's what God does. He takes our passions. When we sacrifice our lives to him, he said, do you know, it's no surprise, is it, that Paul became a great orator in the kingdom of God. Before Paul became a Christian, he was an orator for the Jewish community. He was trained and raised in the strictest of the Pharisaean sects. He was trained and raised. They, they invested hugely in him. I mean, he's got to have been one of the best. And then he becomes a Christian and everything that he's been trained and shaped and raised for, everything he has a passion for, just becomes a thing that he does in the kingdom of God. So if, if you have a passion for football, Linvoy Primus, was, is that right? Linvoy Primus is coming. He's, I mean, he's obviously got a passion for playing football. And now, uh, well, he, did, you know, he obviously still does that, but he's not playing in the premiership anymore. But, you know, he's probably been sold. But it, it's, it's, it, he's, he's now using that same passion in the kingdom of God. That's what God does. He says, I will sanctify whatever you've been trained and raised in to use in the kingdom of God. If we'll stop and be still and sacrifice it to him. So live your life as a living sacrifice. Stop and take time to be with God. Thirdly, associate with godly dreamers. If we want to live a life that is full of courage, if we want to live a life that welcomes in the glory of God, if we want to live a life that, that actually brings fulfillment in every part of our lives, this is what we've got to do. We've got to associate with other people who have that same heart and desire. Associate with others who who want to find God's will for their lives. Associate with others who want to discover the richness of the things of the kingdom of God. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Do you know what it's like when you're with somebody and, and they start 
telling his stories of what God's been doing. I had this great day yesterday in Manchester. It was just a fantastic day, actually, with a couple of hundred other men. And um, uh, I, so I'm there, and I've got my, my, one of my real old friends. He's, his name's James Robertson. And we're there together, and, and he's just telling stories of what God's been doing, and I was telling him a little bit about what God had been doing in India and, and uh, other places and here, and, and people's lives coming to faith. And You know, you've only got to have half an hour of that with somebody else, and you're thinking... We can take the world. You know, because if you associate with others who have the same heart as you, it puts, it puts strength and confidence in your life. We had Major General Tim Cross, CBE, speaking. He's speaking at the Men's Day in London. And if any man here misses that day, you're going to miss something really significant. I'm going to ask him to do the same talk. He's an amazing guy. He was in charge of all the armies in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. Um, He oversaw 30,000 army personnel. I mean, a fair responsibility, hey? And he stood as a man in God and he talked about courage and living your life for God. It was like he, he just gently introduced himself and it was like then he turned a machine gun on us for an hour. And at the end of the hour, I mean, he had set out the strategy and the will and the direction, and he set it all out. And at the end of the hour, all, everybody just stood up and clapped. It was like, yes, come on. And you're thinking, we'll go to battle. We'll step out and do this. We can do anything. If a guy like this can do it. And, I mean, here's a guy, you know, he's talking to guys who are going, you say, well, I'm not sure if they're going to come back at the end of the day. I've got to make sure they know where they're going at the end of their lives because they might, not, they might meet the end of their life today. I'm just an amazing guy. Associate with others who are godly dreamers. Associate with others who long for the same things we long for and hope for the same things we hope for and work towards the same things that we work toward. Someone once said, if you want to fly with the eagles, you can't run with a turkey. We're having turkey afterwards, actually, if you want to stay for that. But, but if you want to fly with the eagles, if you want to fly with the eagles, you can't run with the turkeys. You've got to fly. Get with others who are going to fly. Get with others who are going to go after God. Get with others who are going to go for it. Get with others who will say, I'm going to put Jesus first in my life. Get with others who say, I'm interested in the things of the kingdom. I'm not just interested in what I can do here. I'm interested in what God has in store for me. So first, live your life as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice it. You will not lose. The trouble is we, we, we think, oh, I'll just, I'll just keep this bit back. I'll just have my insurance policy. I'll just, just make sure that I'm looking after myself. That's not what Jesus says we've got to do. He says, look, just sacrifice it. Just sacrifice it. I think it was about three years ago, three and a half years ago, maybe four years ago, I don't know. But I remember uh, a young woman coming to me and she gave me two pictures. And uh, she says, these are for you. And they're very nice pictures. And uh, she said, I don't know why I'm doing this. And, and, and it was young Catherine here. Where is she? There she is. And she, and she, um, she said, I, I feel God's telling me I've got to give away all my art. All, all of my art. She, said, I've got to. she was just sacrificing it all to God. So I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel God's told me I've got to do it. I'm like, oh, that's okay. 
I'm thinking, that's okay. These are very two very nice pictures. I'm pleased I'm part of this sacrifice. You know, that's a good thing. And I said, well, what do you feel God's calling you to do? She said, I don't know. So we left it for a couple of weeks and we sat down together here in church. I said, what do you think God's calling you to do? She said, I don't know. Should I do youth work or something? I looked at her and I said, why on earth would you do youth work if you're an artist? Why don't you just paint? And she looked at me and she went, oh, okay. Do you think God can use my art? And we see her, don't we, prophetically painting here as often as we can get up the front here to do it. That's what God does. He says, sacrifice it to me and I'll sanctify it. And I'll use your gift to bless others in the kingdom of God that it won't be just to bless you. It'll be to bless many others. He'll use what you have. I'm not quite sure where I got to. Live your life as a living sacrifice. Stop and take time to be with God. Associate, oh, that was right, sacrifice. Sacrifice it. Stop and take time to be with God. Associate with godly dreamers. And just finally, just finally, friends, if we're really going to do this, let others know that we're going to do it. Make your dream public. Do you know the best way to be holy is to tell other people you're going to try and be holy? I, I, I made a, a, a really terrible mistake that was an amazing blessing many years ago. I used to work in an office. It was quite a creative office. Was, uh, I used to work as a marketing executive. And, and um, in this office, there were a couple of people, and, well, there were 32 of us, but there were a couple of people particularly who the whole time in their conversations would use words that really grated with me. So they would be trying to do something, and the next thing out of their mouth would be Jesus, but it wouldn't particularly be a holy Jesus. Or, 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 they'd be, or they'd be screaming to God, but it wouldn't really be very praiseworthy. Or they'd be using other expletives that you could imagine they might use. And I just had a conversation with them once. I was just, it was just in the office. They'd said it rather too many times. And I said, look, guys, I, look, I, you know, I don't mind you swearing and all of that. And I, please don't feel as I... But it's just I'm a Christian. And every time you do that, it's like something... Something hurts me. You know, it's just like, it's like you're sticking a pin in me. I, 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 and it just, I just don't like it. I, I, I'd really rather you didn't use Jesus' name like that. I, I, you know, I don't want to be a nuisance, but that's just... They went, oh, okay. And then we get on with our work. And later on, they said, one of them said to me, he says, is that why you don't swear then? I said, well, yeah, I guess so. I don't, I don't feel as though I have the need to, really. Okay, so this conversation. Anyway, so, so that's just a little thing, isn't it? And it was going on. Then whenever I did anything wrong, you know what they'd say to me? Call yourself a Christian. That's what they'd say. All of a sudden I realised, there are 32 people watching me as a Christian. Is he living as a Christian today? Is he behaving himself as a Christian today? And I said, oh my goodness me, I'm accountable to 32 non-Christians for being a Christian. That keeps you holy. Every day. Keeps your expenses exact. You know, all of those things that keep me and make sure you're doing the right thing. I, mean, my, I, I had a company car and my, my 
secretary used to borrow it at lunch times. Her name was Tracy. She was fantastic fun. She used to go in and she used to say, she used to come back and say, Mark, your music just stinks. And she'd do, at then we'd do cassette tapes. You don't do them anymore, of course you don't, but we had cassette tapes. And she'd do me record, cassette tape recordings of, you know, different songs and things to play. She said, this is if you're on the way home. I'd listen to it about five minutes and think, that's terrible. But I'd put it, pull it out and put my, my music on again. But so the thing is, even my car became a holy space because other people would use it. They'd say, oh, I've got a dental appointment. Can I just take your car? Sure. Anybody can borrow it. It's not a problem. It was a company car. I was insured by the company so they could all drive it. But, it, but it, the, the thing was this, that I had to be holy in the office and I had to ensure my car was holy and I had to ensure my, everything was holy. If you want to be holy, let other people know you want to be holy. They'll keep you accountable. They'll enjoy it. <laughs> and you'll become more holy for it. You, you want to b- pursue the kingdom of God? Let other people know it's what you want to do. They'll keep you accountable. And if you do that, if you do that, it'll attract other like-minded people. When Shane Claiborne started the movement The Simple Way, it was just five of them that got together and tried to experience what it was like to live like Jesus. Their example was Mother Teresa, so they went and spent some time with her. And a few of them got together and said, you know, there are poor people in our community, maybe we could do something. Well, it's a whole movement around the world now. It's just a few guys just trying to passionately do something for Jesus to help the poor. And it's changed the lives of thousands of people. When they sacrificed themselves, when they stopped and listened to God, when they chose to put him first in their lives, when they associated together and they made that dream public, it attracted others to come and make a difference. It says this in Acts 13. One of the guys I really admire in the Bible, I'm going to finish with this, is that is, is King David. One of the things I love about King David is he's human. Hey, he tries all the time. He steps out there. He does things for God. That's what he's like. We're going to do this for God. <clears throat> so he tries to do that. He goes out and does it for God. And he wins lots of battles and he fights Goliath and he fails lots of times and he has to be restored by God and he's, he sins in lots of ways. He's so human. This is what it says in Acts 13 about him. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. Ultimately, at the end of our lives, that's what's going to happen. So we had a little conversation around the lunchtime table today. We didn't actually go there in the end because we thought it might be a bit morbid. But uh, the question was raised, you know, what do you want on your gravestone? I was thinking, oh, that's, it's a bit, I was thinking it's a bit of a morbid conversation. We better not go there yet today. We haven't want quite go as far as that. But this is David. He served God's purpose in his own generation. He affected thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And down the years, he's affected many more thousands of people. Why? Because he sacrificed his life. He stopped and listened to God. He associated with other godly dreamers and he made it public that he was going to give his life over and serve God and serve him only. How about you? Do you really want to achieve something big in life? Do you really want to discover what really is 
the dream in your heart, do you really want to, to find what God is calling you to, then it's very, let's just sacrifice our own lives. Let's sacrifice, and in sacrificing, let's stop and listen. Stop and listen. And what God will do is he'll, he'll sanctify who we are and what we've become. And as we associate with others and help ourselves to be accountable, because we all need that, he'll enable us to achieve so much in life. And we will be people who find life in all its fullness. Is that okay? Let's stand together, shall we?